Hey guys, I want to thank you so much for joining us back here on the Success 101 podcast for another awesome episode. Just to give you a quick heads up, we had a little bit of technical difficulties this week and the audio didn't come out quite as clear as I had hoped. I just wanted to make sure that you knew ahead of time that it's not going to be your typical Success 101 clear quality, but that doesn't take away from the awesome message Emilio and I have for you today. So keep listening, and I hope you take a ton away about how you can stay in levels of peak performance by staying out of mental and physical fatigue and using the safety model to keep from entering fight-or-flight situations. Make sure you also go and take the online test that Emilio mentions to find out where you're weak in fight-or-flight situations versus where you're strong so that you can stay in areas of strength and continue to thrive. Thanks for being here, and on to our awesome episode. New concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Reach your full potential. Reach your full potential. Small win, small win, small win. Keep your momentum going. The Success 101 Podcast. Welcome back, Emilio. Welcome back, everybody. Live episode number 36. So excited to be here with you guys. And just want to mention right off the bat, just the tragic flooding in Houston. I didn't want to start off the podcast without mentioning that. Emilio, I know you live there. I lived there for eight years before moving to Dallas. It's just nuts what's going on there, man. Yeah, man, I'm doing well over here. I'm positioned in Austin, Texas at this moment, but it's I'm saddened right now. And my heart goes out to everybody out there that you know, has been rescued or anybody that is still lost out there and, and needs some help. And there's definitely a lot of situations like that. Yeah. And people just don't understand the magnitude of Houston if you're not from there. I mean, but if you yeah. think about Houston, I mean, there's, I posted yesterday from a client of mine where he's saying, look, our neighborhood's flooded, but then there's neighborhoods 50 miles away that are flooded and everywhere in between. And it's all considered Houston. But so, you know, it's kind of crazy too, how much water has fallen. Nine trillion gallons they're estimating right now that has fallen let me give you guys just a little bit of perspective on that it would i just heard this morning by the way it went to nine uh, over 11 trillions actually yeah this is actually from two days ago and it was still raining so yeah this is at nine trillion when the news reported it so you're right it's Mm -hmm. actually more now but at nine trillion it would fill the great salt lake twice it would fill the empire Mm -hmm. state building almost thirty-four thousand times It would cover New Orleans, the entire city, in 128 feet of water. It's nine days worth of constant Mississippi River flow. And then this was the most staggering to me. It would cover the lower 48 states, all of them, with almost a quarter inch of water. All that got dumped right on Houston. Just praying for the people in Houston. If you guys would like to donate or give or do anything at all, everything helps, guys. Donate clothes, donate money, donate food, donate resources, whatever. Samaritanspurse.org is leading the way, one of the biggest organizations that's down there and a verified organization where you just know that any money you give, the money's going to go to the right place. Or you can contact us directly at info at success101podcast.com and we can steer you in the right place as well. But heart just goes out to those people. So I wanted to make sure we mentioned that. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Those of you guys that are listening in and Emilio, I get excited about all podcasts. You know that this is something that brings me a lot of energy and why I love doing it. I know you as well, but there's certain topics that I think really move the needle, so to speak, when it comes to how we can reach higher levels of peak performance. And today I'm going to be talking about mental fatigue as well as physical fatigue, because more and more research is showing that both of those go hand in hand. You guys might even think back to a time where you've sat all day long. Some of the entrepreneurs that I work out there that are running their own businesses, some of its media content or social content, blogs, posts, those sort of things. And I've heard people say before, I sat down at my computer 
I worked all day. I got up and I was mentally fatigued. I had a headache or whatever. But even my bones, my joints, my, you know, I felt physically tired, not just mentally. How does that happen from just sitting all day long? So if you think about this, guys, if you rarely get up from your chair, so I've talked before about how I have a standing desk. I've even got the Veradesk uh, board or deck. I think they call it that I just kind of surf on. I'm on it right now, moving all around. You know, if you rarely get up from your chair and you find yourself exhausted mentally, but also physically, considering how little you've moved, why is that? So if you think about mental fatigue, we put a lot of stress on that as far as just, you know, rubbing our eyes, scratching our head, taking headache medicine, you know, whatever. But we have to think about it, guys. The human body reacts to stress in many of the same ways mentally as well as it does physically. So whether you're solving difficult problems or you're staring at a screen all day or you're out running, the body responds the same way. More and more research is coming out on this. Your heart will pump. You'll produce adrenaline. You'll produce cortisol, whether somebody's chasing you or, you know, the fight or flight where you're running away from something or you're just really upset about something and mentally you're distressed. And, you know, the fascinating thing that I've been reading about more lately is the brain requires a disproportionately high amount of the body's energy. We've talked about that before. About 20% or more of your oxygen even is consumed by the body. So your muscles aren't normally sucking out all of that oxygen when you're just sitting around. Of course, with exercise, they will if you're in a tough exercise. But the brain takes a lot of your energy. So whether it's a mental issue or you're feeling physically fatigued, a lot of times those two things go hand in hand. And I don't know if a lot of people think about that or think about the importance of moving during the day. So that's what we're going to dive into a little bit today. Have you done a lot of study on physical and mental fatigue, Emilio? I'd love to hear your thoughts if you have any data on that. I mean, I know that everything's interconnected. And, you know, when you talk about the mind being kind of overwhelmed with certain things, I'm very familiar with that. It will, it'll be interesting to see kind of where we dive into this in terms of what I've researched or what I've come across. But movement is definitely, it's it's a fundamental aspect of life, right? And so it's it's more than just kind of exercise or, or anything like that. So I'm excited to see kind of how we continue to go down this path and then and then I can kind of go from there. Yeah. And I'm also going to talk about sedentary versus active lifestyles where many of us out there think we're being active every day because we hit a really hard workout and we do that every single day. But we're actually really sedentary if you add up all the hours that we're just sitting around. And the other thing to mention is that our brains are constantly predicting what's going to happen next in some of the research that I was reading so your brain, before you even realize it or before cognitively it locks in, you're making predictions about how a business meeting, really important business meeting or client meeting or some of you out there who are interviewing, you're making predictions about how that is going to go or how it's going during the interview. And as each one of these mental stimulations or nerves fire in your brain, your body is essentially getting activated as if it was really happening on a physical level. You know, you don't just jump up off the couch or the seat or whatever and feel physically tired. There's some work that has to go on there. But remember, our brains are always working. So if we're writing, if we're studying, if we're interviewing, if we're in a big business meeting, our brains are trying to constantly think for us, think ahead of us and running through scenarios in our minds. And that can get you exhausted. And people with anxiety or depression, they may spend even more time anticipating because they're worrying about certain things and they could become more fatigued even faster. Same thing as when we get sick. Our brain has to really turn on and have more of a heightened sense of mental exertion. But all this to say, if you're wrecking yourself mentally, which many of us do because we don't know how to deal with stress or we're not treating ourselves the right way, not getting enough sleep, it could make you feel physically fatigued just as if you are sitting all day long doing mental work and you still feel physically fatigued or you're out working out or whatever. So that's where I'm going to tie all of this together, guys, as I go on through some of Katie Bauman's work and some more things here today. 
that I really want you guys to tap into how sedentary you might be being each day, but also how much mental fatigue you're putting yourself through, which really you're just wrecking yourself. Yeah. And in addition to the mental fatigue with stress, which is huge, and I'm glad that you'll be covering that. You know, what I think about, too, is when people are working or traveling, for instance, or changing time zones, it can be very much tough on the body. There's a saying that Emily Fletcher from Ziva Meditation talks about where, you know, sometimes let's say you were just on a road trip for a few hours and you didn't move, you didn't do anything like that. When you get out, you're mentally and physically fatigued, whereas the mind mentally is absorbing so many things in front of it at such a fast pace. You're going 60, 70, 80 miles per hour. You're going through different time zones and whatever. And mentally, it's very exhausting. And then it translates to the physical as you're talking about. But it's huge when people are flying or driving for long periods of time, especially changing time zones, when they're like, wow, I'm so mentally and physically fatigued, but I haven't done anything. You know, of course, meditation helps with that. And I'm sure you might cover some other stuff with that. But I think it's also good to just note when you're traveling, the same thing is going Yeah. On. And a lot of people talk about that. I've got a lot of clients who travel internationally, whether it's hotel chains that they work at or management companies, consulting, whatever. And, you know, I don't travel a ton internationally, but jet lag is a huge, not only mentally sabotaging you, but also physically where people are sitting the entire time and they get up and go, man, I feel like I've just been, even after they finally get themselves to sleep after they've traveled to a new time zone in the world, they wake up feeling that they've just been running all night long. They're just joints aching, muscles aching. So whether you're traveling or not, you know, one of the big things that in the Tools of Titans book that Tim Ferriss wrote, a couple of things in there said, as soon as you land, if you travel quite a bit and you've got jet lag, the best thing to do, people have found, is as soon as you land, go to the hotel, check in, put your stuff down, immediately go to the gym and start working, get the blood flow circulating, start working out, getting your body going. And that defeats jet lag almost faster than anything. Also going and grounding yeah. wherever you're at, immediately going to like, you know, the beach or the park or something like that and doing a quick grounding session for 5, 10, 15 minutes. All this know. to say mental exertion is real and it's tiring, but it's probably true too that physical exertion is going to make it more likely that you'll get things like a good night's sleep, less stress during the day. That's why a lot of people say that working out is almost like Prozac. It's like a drug. It's, you know, you can have the same effects from working out and releasing the BDNF that we've talked about before as you can on antidepressants, which is kind of crazy. John Rady's book, Spark, you want to wake up and basically feel like that you've taken an antidepressant without the effects of the drugs, of course, go hit a workout. If you want to wake up and better your chances of being depressed, then don't go do that. And you're going to be in that situation. So let's talk a little bit about the physical movement. I don't know, Emilio, if you have really had a deep dive into Katie Bauman's work. She's got three awesome books out there when it comes to this that I would encourage you guys to check out. Move Your DNA, Movement Matters, and then I'll get to the third one here in just a second. But she says movement, just like a cell wall, you know, mitochondria, which we talk about a lot, the cytoskeleton and the nucleus, all of that that's working together in your cell, cells don't work without movement. Also why the electrical charge and everything you've been talking about with this PMF stuff is so helpful. It gets you moving, yep. but you're not fully operational Absolutely. with all your cells not working well. And so movement today is what she says affords us the ability to move tomorrow. So if you guys haven't heard about Katie Bauman before, she's one of the world's leading biomechanists. A lot of her work helps us to properly get our body moving each day in ways that we may not think about before. So her other book that I mentioned is called Don't Just Sit There. She talks about how to build a perfect workstation, how to sit better, how to stand better, posture, how to work out on company time, a lot of those sort of things where you're just right there in your office or in your space. But the big thing she talks about is are you active and sedentary? So there's a lot in the book, guys, that we won't have time to cover here today. But she talks about micro movements, even little movements, something as simple as stretching your calf while sitting at your desk or your standing desk or changing positions. 
and then many movements, those small opportunities where there's a little bit more movement there, but you don't really feel like you're moving a lot. It, it all adds up. And then the macro movements is where we're out sweating. So there's not just, oh, I'm going to go move and then go mm. sit the rest of the day. And again, for a lot of people, they feel like, hey, I go crush a workout every day early in the morning. I got my movement in for the day. But then what do they do from the time they sit in their car driving to work? They sit all day, they sit in their car on the way home, and then they sit all night and sleep. And then they wake up the next day and they hit an hour long workout and they feel like, oh, I'm active. Not really. You're still pretty sedentary. And a lot of that is going to affect your mental fatigue as well throughout the day if you're not getting that in. Absolutely, man. When I think about movement, you know, we were talking about earlier how it's a fundamental aspect of life. And you'd mentioned kind of the cellular level within our bodies. Yeah, movement is, you know, every time I say like movement is life or something like that, it's like, <laughs> oh, wow, it sounds so deep, right? It's like, but it's so true, though. We're constantly in movement. And it's important in numerous ways that we can dive into different pathways here. But when I think about movement also, it affects everything from circulation to digestion to metabolism to immunity. You know, with movement, our bodies regulate hormone activity, detoxify, respire, and so many other things. And so, you know, whether it's in the gym or just what's happening within our body, I think it's important to kind of note that movement is life in a yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. We've talked about that. before that there's 70 to 100 trillion cells in your body. The cool thing about that is nearly every single one of your bodily functions where it involves your cells regenerating, your mitochondria, all of that is specialized equipment. Basically, if you look at it that way, to detect movement in your body and either they're going to properly and healthfully mm -hmm. regenerate and give you the energy that you need when you are moving and respond to that or they're not. And so one of the main things about studying epigenetics and, you know, which you've talked about many times before, the effect of our environment on the expressions of our genes, mm -hmm. we're really missing the most important part here. And the big breakdown that I want you guys to grab on this, as I mentioned, is movement versus exercise or thinking you're active when you're really sedentary. So the first step, guys, to radically improving your health is to really forget about this notion that movement is exercise. As crazy as that may sound, it's really not. To move your health forward with movement or to hit peak performance with movement, it's really important that we mentally rearrange that relationship because so many times movement is not exercise. So what I mean by that is so many people think they need to go exercise to be healthy and move and keep themselves physically and their cells and everything healthy. But that is not the case. Movement of any kind is actually more important. And you chip away at that throughout the day, not just the hour long crushing it at the gym in the morning and then sit for hours upon hours upon hours until you go do that the next day. Right. A lot of people are living sedentary lifestyles, whether it's at work or they come home and sit down on the couch and watch the shows and whatnot. And it's like, what kind of movement are you doing? You know, I've been trying for the past year to incorporate more movement into my life, whether not in, like you said, the separation of workout to actual movement in terms of you know, learning how to do different dances or strength things or just a bunch. Like my buddy does the aerial acrobatics, right? It's just getting movement around the body. We just keep saying it over and over. Movement is so key, not only for your physical, yeah. but also for your mental and for releasing the type of chemicals to release that BDNF. And if you're not moving, you're going to be mentally fatiguing yourself on things by sitting all day or you could be but you're going to feel the physical effects on that as well in your joints and your muscles and everywhere. So exercise mm -hmm. is movement, but movement is not always exercise, I think is a good way to put a, uh, you know, something for you guys to remember on there. Yeah. It's a good way to remember that is that exercise is movement, but movement is not always exercise. We don't have to go and spend tons of time moving in the gym or, you know, wherever we think are running a marathon to say we moved. There's all these little things. So mm -hmm. she does some pretty interesting things to help us lock this into our mind. 
if you guys can picture this, if you draw a circle kind of a, or on a piece of paper, just draw a small circle that represents exercise. That may include things like going to the gym, hiking, running, strength training, like I said, running on a treadmill, stuff like that. Now draw another much bigger circle around that exercise circle that represents movement. So here's the key point behind that movement transcends and includes our exercise. It includes things like getting up from our desk, doing jumping jacks, stretching, walking to the store, bank, wherever, changing our posture. A lot of things we're not thinking about. All those tiny movements count, but we could just be doing the exercise thinking we're moving and just being sedentary. And our DNA really suffers from that, as you and I have talked about before. Anything from walking, anything from, like I said, even as crazy as it sounds, jumping jacks. I saw a video that you did, Emilio, one time where you said, I'm trying to move more. This was probably weeks ago, a month ago more, where you said every however many minutes, 15 minutes mm-hmm. or so, I'm doing these movements. And I just, I don't even remember what it was. I was just scrolling through and I just saw you doing these. Can you remember yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's actually a perfect transition to what I wanted to talk about today. But it's about, I learned it from the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. Some neurologists were talking about when they've studied the brain over numerous, numerous years that our brain will start to wander every 50 minutes, every 5 oh, 50 minutes. Yeah, ultradian rhythms, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. And so, you know, I just set my, I have a quick alarm thing that, you know, every time it goes off every hour, I'll get up anything from five seconds to 15 minutes, get up and, and move, you know, whether it's quick push-ups. I think I did like a quick hit routine for about five minutes, yeah. three rounds, and it was just to move my body. And, you know, when you think about it, it, it affecting the Another thing that's coming up for me is, you know, our lymph system. How to detox all the toxins that we have in our body is, is through movement. If you're not moving, jumping up and down, moving around like you, you are right, even right now at, at your job that you just talked about on what you're standing on, it's the more we can move, the more that we can secrete the toxins from our bodies. And that's the only way that the lymph system can remove all of that is through movement. You know, a lot of this stuff is self-evident that I'm saying, but I just, I had this deep desire on a lot of the stuff that I've read over the last couple of weeks, just to get this word out to you guys about movement. And again, I talked about the Pomodoro technique before where you work for 20 minutes and then you take a five minute break, work for 20 minutes, take a five minute break. You do four sets of those. And then you take a much longer break, like a 30 minute break, whatever. Maybe you sit down at that point have a 20 minute timer on your watch or on your computer or whatever that really gets you into not just taking a break, but also taking a break while moving. The fastest way to get your lymph system and your blood circulating is to do leg exercises. You can do some arm exercises, but the legs really move. You're moving like half your body, you know, whenever you do that. So set a 20 minute timer, take a break every five minutes and just move. There's an app. If you go to the app store in on your you know iPhone or Android or whatever, where it's got like office workouts, like just type that in. I'm sure some stuff's going to come up, but like every 20 minutes or so it dings and says, do push-ups, you know, where you lean in on your desk and just do some quick push-ups or do some squats or hold in a, like a wall seat position. All of that is not only going to keep you guys physically energized and keep your cells energized, but mentally you're going to be able to excel and push forward to levels of peak performance because we're not just letting ourselves get into that sedentary lifestyle. And again, guys, remember, your brain is using up more than 20% of the oxygen and energy consumed by the body. And physical energy, releasing that BDNF, just even with a quick 20 minutes worth of actual exercise, but then also chipping away with your joints, your tissues, your cell, at a cellular level with those micro movements that I mentioned is going to help you do all of that to where you are sharp mentally. You are sharp physically. It's actually, as crazy as it sounds, it's actually anti-aging for you guys to do that. So whether it's your brain predicting in a stressful situation what's coming up next, whether it's you getting into self-sabotage with negativity, 
or just working, sitting down all day, working on stuff and mentally fatiguing yourself, which also then results in physical fatigue or feeling that way. We have to cut out the stress in our life. We have to stand. We have to physically move and just chip away at it little by little, guys. And both your brain and your body will be extremely healthy. And I think you guys are going to feel a lot better and stay more on point when it comes to clarity mentally as well. So those two things go hand in hand together. We don't think about it that way all the time. But just the more I read about it, the more we need to be moving. Absolutely. Absolutely. It just creates a lot of energy, man. I mean, every hour when I do, like I said, the five seconds to 15 minutes, I mean, I'm constantly energized throughout the day, whether I have coffee or not, or whether I have some kind of supplement or not, you know, me moving my body is doing a whole lot for me. Yeah. And even in something as crazy sounding as just shoulder rolls. I mean, right now, if you're sitting at your desk, maybe listening to this, or if you're in the car or whatever, just start doing some deep, slow shoulder rolls and just feel that tension and anxiety. Even if you didn't know you were carrying that around, that's where we carry a lot of that is in our neck and in our shoulders. That's the type of movement that we're talking about during the day. Still go crush it at the gym, still go get in your workouts, but we can't just do that and then not move during the day. So arm circles, shoulder circles, neck rolls, that stuff lifts the tension and anxiety so quickly and keeps your brain sharp, but then also physically makes you feel great. So it's it's amazing how connected both of those are. Even even to add to that in terms of compounding it even more, you know, this mental, emotional, spiritual kind of movement as well in terms of what you're, while doing what you just said, Jared, you know, really closing your eyes, like taking a deep breath and letting go and moving all of that stress, anxiety, kind of, you know, seeing it, visualizing it, actually exiting the body. And just as you breathe that out, there's actually a lot of science and a lot of research has been done about that. So, you know, this whole kind of mentally, emotionally, spiritually, also just kind of breathing in, breathing out, letting it all go, you know, in addition to what you said, I think is really powerful. Well, that's awesome, man. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about today too, Jared, and this might be a good transition, you talk about stress. Like we always talk about, we're living in our heads and creating a lot of anxiety and stress for ourselves. You know, a lot of times we're in fight or flight mode, non-consciously, not very conscious when we're kind of entering into those states. And one of the things that I think we talked about it when we first started doing these podcasts was like a one, two, four model that I learned in 2015 from the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. I did like a leadership assessment accreditation with them and learn about this one, two, four model. One was, you know, the number one things our brains are doing, which is, you know, is to protect us. And then the two was for, you know, how our brains process information, our non-conscious and our conscious. And we provided that statistic. And we didn't go into the four too much, but given all of that, there's another model that these, the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership talks about that I think it's important to kind of showcase and providing some awareness more so in the self. You know how I love talking about getting to know yourself a whole lot more. Because once you do so and you kind of master your internal environment, you can better master your external environments. And so what I mean about knowing yourself better, they've done a great job of introducing these models that are very simplistic because a lot of this is complex, but providing a simplistic model to, you know, deliver the information as to what's going on in your daily life and what's triggering you to get into a fight or flight response that is causing you subconsciously to be anxious, stressed, you know, in the fight or flight and mentally and physically being fatigued like you're talking about, Jared. And so this safety model, I wanted to kind of bring to awareness so that you guys can maybe also reflect on this during this conversation as well as after the fact. And before I present the safety model, the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership, they have a lot of awesome programs. They're like research-based. They're powered by Brain Resource. It's a consortium of, of over 350 scientists, and they have backgrounds ranging from anywhere from neurobiology, genetics, to computation, to business, biotechnology. But what's cool about it is that they all have a shared goal. 
and it's to enable discoveries to better understand brain function and to improve human health. And so it's really cool. Their senior leadership and board of advisors, like they continuously scan, they continuously evaluate and integrate the most relative and really applicable brain research, like in real time into their leadership development programs. It's been about a couple of years. I, I utilize this way if I have a new, you know, new client and whatnot, but the safety model guys, each letter stands for something. And so S is for security. The A is for autonomy. F is for fairness. E is for esteem. T is for trust. And Y is you, because we're all different, right? Based on our genes, epigenetics, life experiences, brain profile, personality profiles, et cetera. And so safety, again, security, autonomy, fairness, esteem, trust, and you. And I know you're going to cover this, but just to kind of set it up for the listeners. Yeah. What is the overarching message? What's the umbrella message over all of that? What's the main point, if you had to sum it up, to what that acronym is? Yeah. So this is to bring awareness as to if any one of these, if any one of these are compromised in your life, you'll enter into a state of fight or flight, whether you know it or not. Gotcha. So, you know, for instance, security. Security is about the C's. What I mean by that is the brain likes consistency, commitment, and certainty, and dislikes change. So, for example, let's say you and I are brainstorming a new idea, right? You know, our own or somebody else's. It's likely to trigger all of these C's in a negative way, the consistency, commitment, and certainty. So the brain likes to know uh, patterns that are occurring moment to moment in real time. It craves kind of certainty so that, you know, prediction and hence safety is possible. Yeah, well, that's what I just mentioned about whether you're in a fight or flight situation because someone's chasing you or you're just sitting in an interview. Your brain is always trying to think ahead of what traps you're going to get caught in, what loops you're going to get caught in, you know, negative thinking, whatever. You know, that's good in the sense that it helps keep us on our toes exactly. when it, when we're threatened. Right. But when we're doing it all the time and we're in that, that right. higher state of adrenaline and mm-hmm. cortisol and, and forward thinking in the wrong ways, it's sabotage on our bodies. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so without the ability to predict... The brain must use dramatically more resources and energy, like you were talking about earlier, involving the prefrontal cortex in order to process moment-to-moment experiences. And so, you know, let's put this in, you talked about the interview and things like that. Yeah, like if, if somebody just walked into your office right now and said, uh, let's just give an example here, like you're fired. Well, wow, that messes with your security, security of finances, security of, you know, a lot of things. You might, of course, feel it right away, like I'm in fight or flight. And that's kind of a, a real easy example. But If security, whatever that is in your life, consistency, commitment, or any kind of certainty is triggered, you're going to enter into state of fight or flight, whether you know it or not, right? right? Whether you're conscious or non-conscious to that. And what I mean by fight or flight, again, guys, is is a sympathetic area. So you're basically, your body is going to be more in emergency mode, trying to take care of that perceived threat that doesn't exist. There's no bear in the office, but it's going to be on emergency mode rather than regeneration, detoxification, fixing things throughout your body, rejuvenating things in the body. It's going to be in emergency mode the entire time and affect your mental and physical state like we keep talking about and like we're talking about now. So that's security. Autonomy, of course, is really the perception of exerting control over one's environment, right? And whether that's illusory or real, you know, it's a sensation of having choices with any given situation feels rewarding. And let's face it, none of us likes to be told what to do. And so that's why even in coaching and anything else, a lot of Corporations are starting to switch that, knowing this a little bit more, is that when you tell somebody what to do, nine times out of 10, if not 10, and these guys are saying that 10 times out of 10, you're entering a state of fight or flight. And now you might be like, oh no, I want to be told what to do. But there's a trigger that occurs. And so actually non-consciously, 
you've entered into that. Yeah, because because typically when somebody, even if you're a person that says, oh man, I'm welcoming critique, I'm welcoming whatever so that I can grow and get better. And hopefully all of us are doing that more and more as we get older and wiser and more mature. Yeah, right. Even when you're in that state of receiving and mm -hmm. I want to receive, your first thought when somebody delivers news to you that you weren't expecting to hear, even if it could be for your betterment, is not a release of dopamine. It is a release of cortisol or it's a release of adrenaline because your first reaction is, wait a minute, should I be defensive here? <laughs> Even if you don't say that to the person, yeah, even if right. with inside it, you look collected and calm and receiving, your first thought is not <laughs> dopamine. Right. That's not the first release. It right. Defensiveness, it's whatever. And then you may take that information, you may receive it, and you may be, you know, mm -hmm. thank you, I'm grateful you told me that, whatever. But in the back of your mind, you're always thinking defensive, defensive, defensive. Exactly, yeah. And we're in our heads thinking about, okay, whether it's conscious or non-conscious, like, okay, what's this guy going to say? And do I need to be defensive and all this kind of stuff? And next thing you know, you're in your head, you know, you're in a sympathetic state and you're in fight or flight or freeze and you know you may or may not be aware of it and you talk about release well not necessarily well in that and you know we talk about the prefrontal cortex there's actually like if i told you what to do right now jared whether you know it or not there's actually blood flow that is actually moved away from the prefrontal cortex which allows you to actually not concentrate you know the blood is moved somewhere else to go and protect yourself and so if your autonomy is questioned or triggered in in some way shape or form whether you know it or not you're going to enter into a state of fight or flight. Same thing with fairness. You know, we need to see that exchanges that occur around us are seen as fair to us and to others. Right. You know, fair exchanges right. are really intrinsically rewarding, right? Independent of other factors. And, and the need for fairness seems to involve issues of disgust. And that's a whole nother topic that neurologists talk about. But basically, we want to see things that are fair. If something's not fair in the workplace, in your life, in, in relationships, you've entered into a state of fight or flight, whether you know it or not. You know, the last two here in the safety model, esteem, fear esteem is triggered, right? And there's actually three parts that they talk about here that I remember. One was how we see ourselves, how we see ourselves mm -hmm. in relation to others. For example, bigger, smaller, richer, poor, et cetera. And then also in the other esteem part is our interpretation of how we think others see us. And so this includes our emotional habits with regard to our reactions to others. And so, yeah, any part of these, you know, one of these three of the esteem category is triggered in some way, shape or form, you'll enter into a state of fight or flight. And last but not least, the you is, well, we're at trust, but of course the last one is, is really important that I'll dive here in a second, but trust, same thing. If, you know, if trust is compromised, same thing. And they talk about, you know, this in-group versus out-group processing that I don't know if we have time to dive into, but, you know, we're basically social animals and we demonstrate many attributes as such, right? Yet strangers are always first treated as a threat. And so, you know, if someone's, you know, a stranger or anything like that, there's this kind of in the trust category, you could potentially be getting into a state of fight or flight. And again, all throughout your life, if you think about, you know, maybe reflecting on trust, how may you enter into a state of fight or flight like that, whether you realize it or not. And then again, like I said in the very beginning, the you is huge, man. Based on genes, epigenetics, our brain profile, personality profile, you know, our tendencies, which is like our biases, patterns, habits, triggers, how we were influenced, you know, our past, you know, whether that's the, the genetics or the personal experiences, our presence with the strengths, mastery, the people on our team and business and life or our future or even our current outlook right? The situation, goals, attitude, your stress level, all of that comes into play as well because we are all unique and different. And so the why in the safety model can really 
override one or the other. If you go to the Academy of BrainBasedLeadership.com or just Google that, and, or maybe just Google safety model from the Academy of BrainBased Leadership, there's a free assessment that you can take and it'll showcase, you know, what do you put a heavier weight on? You know, some people might have more of a heavier weight on security than they do autonomy and vice versa. And so you can find kind of, you know, where you're strong in and where you might get into a fight or flight more often. And then right. that'll bring some awareness to you so that when it's actually happening, you're like, oh, this is where it is. And so the more that you're aware of it, the more you shine light upon it, like we've talked about in past episodes, the more you can make better decisions. And so you're like, oh, here I am. What would you subconsciously or non-consciously do and say, hey, do I want to do that? Right? Well, this is me just in a fight or flight, given this safety model. And it's great. The reason why they put safety model is because given the brain, the number one thing our brain is trying to do is to protect us, enhance safety. And so it all ties together in terms of mnemonics. Yeah, the body really is meant for survival. I mean, that's what the brain is meant for survival and helping you think that way and conserving energy. As much as we want to think that we're brilliant and we use our brains for all these things, we are naturally created and designed. Our brains are to help us think about the negative things out there to keep us safe and also to conserve energy. The safety model, as you mentioned, I mean, your cells, your epigenetics, your genes, everything yeah. is built yeah. around that. So tapping into that and understanding that and even some of the things that I mentioned around the movement part when it comes to the mental part of that is going to help us to thrive, so to speak, more peak performance, more achievement, more success and significance by exactly. understanding it, not being left to our own states of kind of walking around blind. Yeah, you absolutely hit it on the nail about our bodies are always trying to protect ourselves. And, you know, the number one thing is to conserve energy. And so, guys, if you're aware of the safety model, go take the free assessment, see where you're heavily weighted on and each of, you know, whether it's on the S, the A, the F, the E, the T, so that you know, okay, this is where I normally enter in fight or flight. If a situation comes in your life where, okay, hey, my autonomy, you know, somebody just told me what to do, you know, kind of see, check in with your body, see what's going on and really just, you know, maybe take a deep breath or something or move, move around. But and mentally know that this may be an area where you might be in fight or flight, whether you realize it or not, and choose differently. So how would you choose differently? Well, you know, just not letting it affect you. So by basically, you can check in with your body, see what's going on. Obviously, your mind's going to be racing at this point. Maybe, you know, thinking about some stories, we're, we're constantly in our heads. See what you're thinking. See what you're feeling. You know, see what emotions are arising and just welcome them all. Be okay with whatever is happening. And so the more that you do that, the more you won't have your brain, you know, subconsciously just running on emergency mode. You're saying, hey, look, you're welcoming all this stuff into the party. You're opening the door and saying, hey, everything's fine. You're aware of this. You've shined the light on it. And so now your body's like, okay, guys, everything's good. On a holistic standpoint, mentally and physically, we're okay. Okay, nothing's wrong here. And so then your body will shift into the more parasympathetic, the rest, relax, digest of repairing, rejuvenating, things of that nature. You know, because if you didn't do that, you're going to be up in your head subconsciously. And all that mental stress and anxiety at a non-conscious level is going to cause your physical fatigue. Next thing you know, then you're going to be like, well, why am I so exhausted? That leads about what you were talking about. Why am I so tired? Well, because you've been creating stories in your head and subconsciously you've been in your head and in a state of fight or flight And it's caused your physical body to be fatigued. The last thing I'll say here to conclude it is back to that statistic of your mind processes 11 million bits of information per second. If you have two ways of processing information, conscious and non-conscious, 
Out of that 11 million bits of information per second, your conscious mind only processes four zero. Take away there your, the power of your non-conscious. It's always going. So consciously, guys, let's be aware of this so that we're not mentally fatigued and therefore physically fatigued. Yeah, and I think those two topics tying together so well. Because in your case, if you're in fight or flight all the time, we will be sabotaged. If we are sitting all day, our brain requires movement to release certain chemicals. Our physical exactly. nature requires movement. Yeah. We were made to move. Staying stressed all the time will keep you sabotaged. Being sedentary, even if you think you're working out once a day, and that's a lot of you know movement for you, it is during that moment, but then you sit all the rest of the time. So I think those two things tying together with being mentally exhausted, but also physically exhausted, you're just not going to hit peak performance. And if our brain really does account for 20% plus of the oxygen and even more so of the energy and calories and things like that, that our body's consuming, you know, we have to make sure that we're minding the mind, that we're tending to it, whether it's exhaustion from other people around you being negative, whether it's lack of sleep, whether it's lack of movement, our brains constantly predicting what's going to happen next, as you and I just talked about illnesses when we get sick and not tending to ourselves, all of these things are just going to run you down more and more. And as Katie Bauman mentions, move your DNA, movement matters. Don't just sit there. Mm -hmm. There's a reason she's writing all these books about these things and how you need to become more active with these micro movements, mini movements, macro movements, as I mentioned, but move your DNA. We were made to move. That's going to release that stress. It's going to help you function more optimal. All those trillions of cells in your body understanding movement versus exercise and how they are not the same, even though sometimes they can feel that way. And just little small things, whether it's up in your head or it's physically, are going to help you guys thrive. And that's what this podcast is all about, moving you guys to higher levels of peak yeah. performance with new concepts, new ideas, new thoughts. Yeah. But you guys have to go out and make it happen. So hopefully you guys hear our, uh, our heat on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's definitely what this podcast is about. And you know, one thing I just wanted to cap off on is whether it's this particular episode about movement, the safety model and how it intertwines or another podcast that we talk about some other great ways for high performance. Right. We are what we repeatedly do. It's a lifestyle. And so right. a lot of times people are always, and I think we've talked about this in other episodes as well. It's like, okay, let's move, right? Sometimes people will try it for a day, a week, a month, two months, and then stop or what have you. You are what you repeatedly do. Yeah. Like come to us after a few months and see how that's changed your life. It's inevitable, but you know, we are what we repeatedly do. So consistency is huge, right? It's key. And so I just, I don't know, I just felt like I needed to stress that, especially with all the stuff and information that we both have been providing to the audience. It's like, keep it up, keep it up. Next thing you know, it'll be ingrained. And then it's like, then it goes into your non-conscious. You're actually just non-consciously doing all these great things. It's like another new habit to high performance. So I don't know, something I thought needed to be said, we are repeatedly what we do. We are. We are. Good old Aristotle. So guys, I am Jared Warren. He is Emilio Palafox. You can connect with us by email at Emilio at CrossPhoenixCoaching.com or you can reach us at the podcast email address, which is info at Success101Podcast.com. My team will pick that up and run with it. Anything you guys send over, it won't be ignored. We will answer those emails and get back to you. Or you can catch us in the world of social media on Facebook and Instagram. Always love being here with you guys, and hopefully you guys are driving toward higher levels of peak performance. Keep sending in your comments, keep downloading and sharing the episode, and if you feel led to do so and you're enjoying the podcast, go give it a five-star review over on iTunes. That's what's going to keep the mic on and keep this thing going. We'll catch you guys on the next awesome episode. Until then. <laughs>